Hey everyone, before this podcast begins, we want to tell you about some other arts-related podcasts you're going to love. They are The Conduit Music Podcast, Artsville, Gringo and the Man, Art World Horror Stories, and Not Real Art. On these action-packed podcasts, you'll hear experts talk about creativity, design, the music biz, the art world, visual art, American craft, Chicano art, street art, graffiti, and even stand-up comedy. So be sure to find and follow these great arts podcasts today. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Warning, the Not Real Art Podcast is intended for creative audiences only. The Not Real Art Podcast celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. It contains material that is fresh, fun and inspiring and is not suitable for boring old art snobs. Now, let's get started and enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations, my creative brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast, where we talk to the world's most creative people. I am your host, your faithful, trusty, loyal, tireless, relentless host, Sourdough, coming at you from Crew West Studio here in Los Angeles. Man, do we have a great show for you today. This is a kind of a atypical show where we're joined by our dear friend, our dear colleague, the one and only, the VIP. She, you know, like she's usually working so hard. She has no time for me, but she made time for me and us to come onto the show and talk about all the great stuff that she's doing, all the great stuff that we're doing on our blog. So without further ado, I want to welcome the one and only editor in large, editor in chief, editor in, I don't know, what's the title, Morgan? Morgan Lawrence, people. Welcome, Morgan. Thank you. Editor in chief, we'll say. Editor in chief. All right. All right. Of our magazine of Not Real Art. Happy to be here. Hey, Morgan Lawrence. It's so cool to see you here. And you've had a hell of a few weeks and we've all had a hell of a few weeks and there's just so much going on. But I'm so glad that we were able to get together and sort of celebrate and honor all the great work that you've been doing for the blog, specifically in partnership with our other colleague, Kirsten, but we've got this whole new online exhibition program for 2023 that you guys have been developing. And it's such a really awesome way of fulfilling our mission and our purpose to help artists tell their stories and promote their work, amplify the amazing artists and artworks that are out there, but do it in the not real art way, do it online, do it in a very accessible way. And we're not in the white cube space exclusive to only a few. We are online. We are ready for the world. Anybody can access it today. And we just started rolling them out in February, but we have on the blog now, we have monthly online arts exhibitions featuring so many of the artists that are part of our community. Yeah, we do. That is one really exciting thing that we have started this year. We did start them in February. So we've had three exhibitions already. And before we get kind of get started, so this episode is going to be a little bit of a sneak peek into what we've got in store. Spoiler alert! For our readers and viewers over the next year. But before we get too far into it, I do want to give a shout out to my colleague, Kirsten Bengston, who was the curator of our last show, Art in the Environment, which went out last week on Friday. If you haven't seen it yet, please go check it out on the website, notrealart.com. But I want to give a shout out to Kirsten because 
Unfortunately, she could not join us today, but she was instrumental in putting this exhibition together and will be and has been for all of the other exhibitions this year. So I just want to briefly acknowledge her hard work and that she couldn't be here with us. Yeah, no, that that's great that you did that, because I mean, the truth of the matter is Kirsten's been working behind the scenes with us now for a couple of years, at least. And actually, the whole idea for exhibitions was her brainchild to begin with, because what Kirsten does is she works and really manages our database of artists. And she noticed all the great work in the database and said, wait a minute, we should be doing stuff with this. We should, you know, maybe an exhibition series of some kind. And so eventually you guys came together, started talking it through, started working it out and, and kind of basically have come up with an amazing calendar for the year. And I think you're curating maybe four or five and she's curating four or five. Is that kind of how it's working? Yeah, we're, we're splitting it up, but we both work on all of the exhibitions. But curatorially, yes, we are splitting it up. So Kirsten will do half and I'll do half. Don't slack off, Morgan. Don't slack off. You got to you Oh, gotta I, ne- I never do. <laughs> yeah, never. Never. Do. Ne- never <laughs> oh, so never. you're not human? Okay. All right. No, Extra-trustrial. you know, okay. I, I'm not, no, you know, I'm not human. You know that, you know this. <laughs> but see, I can joke about that because we all do more than our fair share around here because we're lean and mean and everybody has to block and talk, tackle and wear different hats. So we're all working really hard. And I tell you, this exhibition series shows, I mean, I know to your point, we were only three months in. I think this is our third, well, our third our show, third. Mm-hmm. Yep. and but we've got so many more to come. And you've already sort of alluded to the fact that we're going to give a little sneak peek into the year to come. But just to sort of start at the start here, we launched our first exhibition in February. And as fate would have it, we were hoping to launch in January, but fate didn't allow us to, to do that. So we launched in February and we of course launched with the first exhibition, which was really to honor and celebrate our grant winners from 2022. And of course, as we do every time we do the grant, uh, every grant cycle, uh, we have this amazing class of winners this year. We had six incredible winners, uh, Joan Cox, Kylie Ames, and Morgan, Ella uh, Marie Foley Ray, Gwyneth Johnson, Hope Osborne. And so that first exhibition in February was sort of all about celebrating our grant winners. And and that's kind of what's cool about our grant is we definitely want to celebrate and elevate them and give them all kinds of PR and promotional love. And we do that in any number of ways and giving them a kind of an, an exhibition of some sort is one of the ways we do that. So February was all about our grant winners. And by the way, we should point out right to our listeners that these exhibitions aren't going anywhere. If you miss them in February, they're still online. You can still go and check them out. They're evergreen. And they will be online. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We have no plans on taking them down. I don't so, think. Not to put you on the spot, though. What was it about that first exhibition that, featuring our grant winners that stood out to you? Was there anything that you you sort of that comes that's top of mind? You're like, oh, yeah, that really spoke to me or that artist was really poignant or any uh, highlights well, or you know, you know what kind of stood out to me is that all of our grant runners this year were women, which was interesting. So come on, boys, get it together. Jesus. No, no, let's <laughs> no. Come on. We can we can give some awards to the ladies. That's okay. Yes, we can. I mean, we love listen, the ladies. We didn't we didn't do that on purpose, of course. You no, know, but no, it, no, no. Of course, of course not. As but fate it just, would have it, know. they were all women, yes. As fate would have it, they were all women this year. So 
just being able to look through their work and see, and, and they're all so incredibly different too, which is another thing that I thought was really interesting. I mean, Ella Maria, she makes these beautiful ceramic quilts and I just have never really seen anything like them. And they're just, they're very different from somebody like Joan Cox, who does these very kind of like lush, beautiful figure paintings, lots of saturated colors, that sort of thing. So it is really wonderful to be able to look at the different approaches that these artists are coming to us with. Yeah. Isn't that, it's always amazing, right? When you, when, and that's why we love artists and that's why we love art, right? Because, you know, when, when you truly get surprised that somebody has something new to say or novel to say or interesting to say that you quite haven't seen before, that's always an inspiring thing. And that's sort of the magic, right? The terms of what compels us. Yeah. And I, I want to say too, I was, I was very surprised. Well, pleasantly surprised with Hope Osborne's digital photos too. I mean, she did this series on barns and somehow, I mean, I know that sounds really mundane and especially me being from the Midwest. Midwest? Uh, hey, I'm from the Midwest. I live in yeah, I live in the West Coast now, but don't hold that against me. I'm a Midwest boy. Oh, I, I love the Midwest. I'm, I'm all about the Midwest. So barns, you know, that seems maybe a little bit mundane, but she just turned them into these beautiful poetic photographs that are just stunning to look at. So... Yeah, so please go check that out if you haven't seen those yet. I should mention that all of our exhibitions go out on the first Friday. First Friday exhibitions. First Friday exhibitions is is the proper name. That's how we branded it, people. First Friday art exhibitions. Right. So if you forget, you can always toggle over to the website on the, you say, oh, it's first Friday. Let me check out some art. That's when it's going to be. But we'll continue to do announcements and that sort of thing on social media and the magazine and the, the blog as well. So yeah, that was our first exhibition and that went out on February 3rd, Friday, February 3rd. And while we were getting that together, I was also getting the next exhibition together, which came out on March 3rd. And for that exhibition, we had, it was titled Women in Love. And this was kind of to look at women's work. It happened around International Women's Day. So we kind of took that into consideration as well. We want to be sort of mindful about what that perspective looks like just in 2023. And the philosophy behind the show was based on this D.H. Lawrence novel that I read quite a long time ago, but Women in Love, one of his masterworks It was written around a time of great change when our ideas of love and relationships, and not just romantic love, but, you know, love in all its form and same-sex relations even were becoming more acceptable. They were changing. And, you know, you'll, you'll see in the show, there's also a lot of work about how women think about themselves as mothers and how complicated that can be how they haven't always gotten a chance to express all sides of it. So I really wanted to sort of open a space for women to be able to say, this is what my love looks like. And it's maybe not always what the world thinks it should look like. Yeah. Well, in March is International Women's Month too, right? So like that's part of the way we think about 
the exhibitions and the programming that we're putting together, not that we want to be so kind of expected about it, but at the end of the day or opportunistic, but I mean, because really every month for me, Morgan, every month is International Women's Month, really. Like, I don't need to wait for March. I'm just telling you, I'm that enlightened. Okay, Morgan? No, of course we don't need to wait. And I think, like, all of our grand artists were women as well. So, I I mean, I... We try to feature widely, you know, across. Yeah, Yeah, I just am learning in these day and age as a straight white male, I have to be very careful because we don't have the best reputation these days. So we have to. (laughs) Well, you know, that may be true. But Scott, I can say that I've always found you to be quite delightful. So boy, you just don't know me that well yet. Talk to my wife. She'll tell you. Well, okay. so Women in Love was amazing. It's all again, people, it's up there. Go check it out. Morgan, you did such a fantastic job and and so grateful. And then, you know, that brings us to First Fridays in April, which was April 7th. Yes. And this we've just launched it. This happened, right? We're, we're still, happened. you know, it's still wet. It's still drying, um, you know, newly painted. <laughs> the paint is still dry. But it, it is online. And this was an exhibition or is an exhibition that our dear friend and colleague, Kirsten, curated. I think it was one of her kind of original ideas, this idea of, of mm-hmm. art in the environment and taking on some you know, very important existential issues like uh, climate change and sort of telling that story through the power of art, showcasing some of the amazing artists in our orbit. So talk about that. Talk about art and environment. What are people going to see this month? Well, okay. So first of all, this exhibition is bigger than the last two. With the grant winners, we kind of had to keep it a little bit a small, just, just because, I mean, we, you know, there were six, there were six winners in there. Yeah. Right. 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 So, I mean, it was, it could only be so big. And then the women in love, I I wanted to keep that small and intimate just for the aesthetics of the show. But this one, there's a lot of varied work in this show. So you're going to see a lot of different things. You're going to see, there's some videos in the show, which is kind of a new thing for us where we're trying to incorporate animation and installation, various kinds of videos and that sort of thing. So we'll be doing more of that this year too. But I mean, you're, you're also going to see some very colorful paintings in here, some installation, some colorful installation, some collages, murals. So a wide range of work in this exhibition. Very cool. Very cool. And then, well, yeah. A lot of the and a lot of these artists we've also we've talked to in the past. A lot of these these artists we've done interviews with already. They're on the site, so I could just do a shout out of some of my oh. favorites that we've worked with. Susan Chambers, she does these acrylic paintings. She is a gardener, and she often shows up in her paintings with her dog or like holding a garden hose, and and they're just incredibly delightful, colorful paintings, but her work is all about invasive species and tending to the natural environment that is immediately surrounding you and trying to work within your own environment and that sort of thing, which is, which is an important message, I think. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the invasive species myself. You know what? They're, <laughs> although, they're, although they're here. Yeah, I yeah. I don't know what it's like in California, but there is so much honeysuckle around here and it smells amazing, but it's terrible. Right, right. Well, my uh, personal, I mean, being out here in La La Land on the West Coast, 
of course, the iconic palm tree everyone points to when they come out to L.A. But, you know, that's not indigenous. Oh, sure. (laughs) Right. That makes sense. That's an invasive species. But more recently, when I moved out here from the Midwest in 01, one of the things that I loved, and you and I have talked about this because I'm from Indiana, you're from Ohio, Mm -hmm. the mosquitoes in the Midwest are real, right? So when I moved to L.A. in 01, the thing that struck me about the wonderful, amazing climate here and environment here is that there were very few bugs and there were no mosquitoes. So for years and years, I, you know, and that's why so many homes are kind of designed with big open doors and no screens mm-hmm. and, you know, cause the indoor outdoor kind of culture mm-hmm. here in Southern mm-hmm. California. But yeah. then in, Oh, uh, what year was it? Six, seven years ago. So 2017, one day I start getting mosquito bites, but I don't see any mosquitoes. I don't know where they're coming from. I'm like, what is going on? Long story short, There's an invasive species that came in on a shipment through the port in Long Beach. The shipment came in from China. This is well documented. There's a species of mosquito that came in on the shipment. They're called ankle biters because they tend to fly really low. They're also called tiger mosquitoes because they're very fast and they're small. You don't see them. And they're all day mosquitoes. So they basically are biting you during the day. And we didn't have them, and now we have them, and they love the climate here. And so they now live and exist all the way up north of Santa Barbara, all the way down to San Diego. And now we have mosquitoes here, thanks to an invasive species, uh, somebody asleep at the wheel at the port. So there we go. Climate change in action. <laughs> you know? Yikes. Yeah, yeah. We have, we've done quite a few artists or a few artists here and there that have talked about things like that it's uh, hillary baker she doesn't her work's not she's in this show but it's not her work's not about invasive species but it's more about so she's based in la i believe and she Mm -hmm. had this recent series called predators and if you go look at that series which is actually we did an interview with her so that series you can you can actually find on the blog Mm -hmm. but her series is about wildlife human habitation like encroaching on wildlife habitats and so you know she's got wildlife around you know the 7-eleven or like around Mm -hmm. famous la landmarks and that sort of thing well i Um, love that because well i love that because the truth is right the real invasive species is us Uh, (laughs) right like let's be real we humans are unfortunately the invasive species encroaching on natural habitat of the animals that were here presumably before us in many ways Right, right. Cool series, though. So please check that out. Hillary Baker, Predators, really cool series, especially if you live in L.A. I think you'll you'll probably see some sites that you have seen before. Right, right. Yeah, very cool. I would like to give one more shout out to an artist there. And I think I think we have to move on to our sneak peek. Yeah, let's do sneak peeks. I want to give one more shout out, though, to Mark Allen, who is a collage artist that we re- we recently did an interview with him as well. So you can find his artwork on the site as well. But he does these. Inc- I mean, please, Mark Allen, look him up. These incredible collages. I mean, they're just I don't have any words for them. I mean, I do have words for them and I already wrote them. So go read those words. One of the words you have is incredible. So like that's kind of compelling right there. Yeah. Well, so he actually has, if anyone is interested, so he does these, they're analog collages, but they look digital. I swear they do. I thought that they were until he told me. And so he is one of those artists that I, I believe has prints, like fairly affordable prints of his work. 
maybe in like the hundred to two dollar range. And mm-hmm. I also I think one of his prints was included in our Valentine's Day gift guide because he does a lot of work with hearts. Mm-hmm. That's a symbol that comes up in his work a lot. So please make your way over to him at some point. Show him some love. Buy a print. I have a buy list of like of the <laughs> of the like the different artists and stuff that we work with. And it, I mean it's a dream list. And once in a while I'll get to purchase one. So I try to support the artists that we work with when I can, when I come across something that is really beautiful. And his work has been on my buy list for a little while. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see about that maybe in the coming months here. But please. You guys check <laughs> them out. I can't be the only one. Yeah, yeah. I can't be the only one. Well, they, they, well, it, it is interesting though too, right? Because we sort of are blessed with the embarrassment of riches as we, you know, really learn are. about these artists. And it's like, man, you know, there's only so much wall. Well, a, there's only so much money. B, there's only so much wall space. You know, and it's like we're and so much time. And there's so much time. Only so much that. time, and we want to buy everybody's work. Oh yeah, sometimes, <laughs> and it's so hard. I need to get a flat file. I realized the other day I have so many like unframed pieces. I've just got to like get a, and it's, they're hard to store and I don't have like a proper flat file. I had a friend who had a horrible thing years, years and years ago. He had all this art that he had bought, kind of a obsessive kind of collector, but I don't want to hear the end of the story. I don't think. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, you don't because he stupidly and he fully admitted he stupidly wasn't storing the art properly in his basement. And guess what happened in the basement? Little flood. Mm-hmm. And, I know about uh, that. Oh my God. He was so sick. And, you know, anyway, live and learn, right? Live and learn. Well, so and it's also, I want to say too that that's like an environmental thing too, is kind of considering like where you live and what kind of things you need to protect your work. Cause I, I mean, I don't know where your friend lives, but where I live, there's a lot of flooding and basements flood here a lot. And that's happened to me before too. I, I had a flooded basement, ruined not some artwork that I bought, but some some of my artwork. You know mm-hmm. that like I had done. Not a fun time. Yeah, no, devastating, Watch absolutely devastating. Flooding. Yeah. Okay, so I think we need to move on because we've okay, got. Okay, let's a move on. Of, I, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I get distracted. I'm like a I'm like a goldfish. You know, I just <laughs> sw- you know, swimming around. You know, hey, hey, hey. All right, we got May Sugar Rush. What is happening in May with Sugar Rush? Yeah, so Sugar Rush, this is going to be like our warm weather exhibition. It's going to be a feast for the eyes, for sure. Mouthwatering delicacies, that kind of thing. But it's also going to focus on kind of the communal aspects of food and eating. And I think we've just been so isolated the past couple of years. I think it's really time to sort of pass the plate around the table yeah, and nice metaphor nice segue yeah. no i i love that i love that food can be so cultural and can really help you kind of like experience different things and you make friends it helps you make friends with people i tell you what people that eat together tend to stay together you know it, it's the, the breaking Even if of they're the fighting. Yes. Like your family, right? Like I think, you know, a lot of families will like, I mean, I know my family fights and that sort of thing, but over Easter, we had some of our, fa- you know, our grandmas aren't with us anymore, but you know, we have those recipes that they still made. And so it's nice. We all love that. <laughs> my parents once walked in when I was living in high school, living at home and I had a, a couple of friends over, it was like a holiday kind of thing. So there was like extra food and desserts and stuff or whatever. And my friend and I 
I don't know what exactly happened, but you know how like when somebody takes some whipped cream or something and they put it on your face, you know, like that. Yes. Well, yes. you know, I forget if I did that to him or if he did that to me. But then, of course, you have to level up, right? You can't let them just, you know, do the next thing you knew. We had a full on food fight going on in the, oh, yeah. in the, in the right. kitchen. And my parents, who weren't home at the time, showed up. Just as this food fight is in massive, I mean, the kitchen is just destroyed. And oh my God, I don't think, I mean, that was, I pissed my dad off a lot, but I, I think uh, that was one of the times he was really, was like, really, really pissed. That cleans up really easy with water. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it, well but it, you should have seen it. There was a, it, was a, it was a lot. It was a lot. Okay. Was like quick, a food quick, murder quick. scene. All I right. Wanna, so, so June. Wait, I want. I have a. I have a quick question before yeah, we move on. Yeah, sure. Go I would it. like to know, since we're both from the Midwest and we're talking about culture and food, what is your favorite Midwestern dish? And then, then we'll move on. Oh wow, that's an interesting question. Like a family dish or something like that. Like, what do you guys? Do you guys have like a traditional thing in your family that you? Well, you know, it's interesting because my paternal grandmother was really the cook in the family, so to speak. I mean, my maternal grandmother was very much uh, the cook as well, though my grandfather was a good cook. My parents both were working parents. Uh, I was a latchkey kid. And so my family relied a lot on like my mom was like very much a crockpot slow cooker kind of person. Mm -hmm. Like she would put all the stuff in the thing and leave. And then, you Mm -hmm. know, whereas my dad would come home and fire up the grill and put on some steaks or sausages or hamburgers or whatever in a classic Midwest working class Midwest tradition, we were very much a meat and potatoes kind of family, which was why going to grandma's house was always such a treat because grandma could do it all. Seemingly, you know, she could barbecue ribs or enchiladas or, chicken in in dumplings or steaks. Oh my God, her steaks were incredible. And then of course she, but she made, not only did she make the the main course and all the side dishes, the sweet potatoes and the mashed potatoes and the green beans and the corn and the collard greens and the black eyed peas and the on and on and on, like she could do it all, but she then made dessert, right? So triple layer chocolate cake, homemade, Cookies. Oh, the Midwest is really into like layered desserts, I feel yes. like. Like we yes. always had like yes. parfaits and stuff. My grandma would always make, and I we didn't find this out until like years later. We thought this was like a family recipe, but our grandma's thing was always that like potato, like cheesy potato cornflake casserole. Have you yeah. ever had yeah. that? With yeah. the cornflakes? So good. Yeah. Well, so, so now that I'm thinking about all this, I mean, and, and this will mean nothing to anyone listening, but the <laughs> one dish that if I could recreate right now that I may, I haven't had in really decades and probably will never have again in my life because she's not with us anymore because she died back in 1991. Sorry. My grandmother, my paternal grandmother's chicken and dumplings mm. were just divine. I mean, they were just divine. And of course, that's really a product that came out of the depression, right? Because they didn't have any money and there was no money for food and whatever. So, but making dumplings, literally flour and water was a very filling dish. But then if you had a chicken to throw in there and you get that broth and you then you get the meat, like that was really a good day when you could actually put some meat in there during depression. So for me, growing up in the 70s and 80s, when grandma would make the chicken and dumplings, it was always just divine. It was divine because you had the chicken. It was thick and kind of brothy, but then the yeah, dumplings were in there. Yeah, it was it was quite good. So anyway, that's my story. How about you? What What's your favorite Midwest dish? Oh, well, it's got to be that cornflake casserole. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for sure, for sure, I, I think. 
I'll let you know if I think of something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds good. All right. So that's sort of sugar rush, this combination of uh, we'll call it Epicurean art experience for our community here on May 5th. And then we get into June, July, August, September, October, November, December, and kind of a hit list of things. I mean, I'm just going to go down the list. We've got in June, we've got robots, rockets, and space. In July, we have ancestral landscapes, and we're going to investigate heritage and home. We have, uh, in August, we have art and tech. September, architecture, interiors, and urban lands. October, we have after effects. In November, we have down a long, dark corridor. Well, of course, that's like a Halloween thing, I believe, sounds like. And then December, we have a sort of a, I don't know, an eclectic mix-up of not real art artists of some kind, some sort of group show, I guess, according to <laughs> according to our blog. So yes, that's a yes. lot coming up, Morgan Lawrence. I know. I know. It is a lot. And, and we're running out of time here. So I want to give a quick rundown of some of these. So just to back up for a second, the Sugar Rush, I'm going to be curating that one. But... Kirsten has some work to do because June, July, August, and September, I believe she is curating all of those. So she's got quite some curating ahead of her. And I should mention too, that we actually have, if anyone wants to go back and look to see what we have, we do have a list of these exhibitions already on the site that we published. And I will link that in the show notes for everyone to follow if they would like to touch base on that. Yes, and that's great. And we will do that. Thank you for pointing that out. But also, people, you can go, if you go to the website, notrealart.com, you can literally search for First Friday Exhibitions and it will come right up. Yes, you you can also do that. Absolutely. We'll try to make it easy for you. We try. We try to make it easy. We don't always succeed, but we do try. So We do try. So the right place, people. Running through these quickly, Robots, Rockets, and Space is going to be a sci-fi sort of exhibition. And that's kind of, I think, going in with our summer thing. It's just kind of a light, I don't know, for some reason, I'm just thinking like space exploration sounds fun in the summer. So, you know, that's kind of what we're going to look at then. During July, like you said, we're going to be doing the ancestral landscapes. So this is going to be about the diaspora. This exhibition is going to be about family homes, war zones, altered maps, kind of a journey through time and place. So I'm really looking forward to that one, actually, because we had a lot of work that has to do with the diaspora. Mm -hmm. And so we will have definitely some interesting stuff to look at during July. That's very cool. Yeah. In August, we're going to do art and tech, which is, I mean, listen, this is going to be more of a video and animation. I think I said earlier that this is something that we're trying to really step into more this year, trying to look at more new media, artificial Mm -hmm. intelligence, web-based art, and see what artists are exploring there, what they have Mm -hmm. to say with that. Mm -hmm. In September, we're doing architecture, interiors, and urban landscapes, which will be fun for city dwellers. Um, this is just kind of a way to look at how we live in cities in like kind of close cramped quarters and how we kind of deal with that. As I understand, it's maybe not the most natural setup for us humans. But even even so, there is still like, there are so many amazing things about living in a city, as you well know. 
living in LA. I love my time living in Chicago in the nineties. Yes. It was such a, such a halcyon days. <laughs> it was <laughs> yes. different now, but yeah, city living is maybe not for everybody, but it certainly can be exciting when planets align, I guess. Yes. Yeah. I mean, well, I, it's complex. So I guess this exhibition is going to be exploring some of the complexities there. Yeah. I, I'm a big outdoors guy, big camper. And I love, you know, canoeing and camping in very remote areas where mm. you don't see anybody. And somebody mm -hmm. once asked me, said, Scott, how is it that you love living in the city like Chicago and also love being camping, canoeing in the middle of nowhere where there are no people? And I said, well, actually, they're kind of the same. They said, well, how so? I said, well, when I'm canoeing in the middle of nowhere and I scream my head off for help, you know, no one will hear me. In the city, when I'm screaming my head off for help, no one will help me. So, you know, they're the same fucking thing. You know? I get it. I, I get it. There's there's a, there can be a loneliness in this. There's city a wildness to it. To the you world. you would have loved where I grew up. There is, yeah, definitely. That's why they call it the concrete jungle, right? Oh yeah. But you would have loved where I grew up. I grew out and my friends never wanted to come spend the night at my house because they're like, there are no lights out there. It's dark and scary. And you live across the street from a cornfield. And they thought that like an ax murderer was just going to like run out of the nearest cornfield and, and kill us or something. That, that, you know, and that is such an interesting thing, right? Because it's like, what have we done? Like, that's how we evolved, right? We evolved in the darkness, right? Yeah. As a species. And the fact that we have done in a very short amount of time, 100 years or less, really, we have made people afraid of the dark and afraid of open spaces. The electrification of, of our civilization did, it, did, did wonders for our fear factor. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just growing up with it because I, I mean, I loved it. Yeah. Well, best, yeah, no, no, exactly. Sleep. You get great sleep. Well, the, you can hear the crickets and see the fireflies, you know, and see the stars and see the stars. Thank you very much. Now, that's that's key. Light pollution is real. I mean, people don't think about light pollution, but it is real. You can't see the oh, stars. It, oh, it is. And my my mom is like, my mom was one of those parents that was always dragging me out in the middle of the night to see like a comet or a, right. like a hit oh. or a whatever, you know, whatever celestial. Oh, your mom is one of those moms that really loves their kids. I got it. She does. Yes, absolutely. No, she's, <laughs> she's a great mom. But she was always like making us do stuff. And when we were young, we were just like, Bleh. but I obviously I appreciate that she made us do that stuff now. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah. So that's going to be, that's going to be September architecture, interiors and urban landscapes. October is something that this is Kirsten's show as well, but this show is really important and personal to me. The After Effects show, this show is going to explore disability, physical, emotional, uh, psychological challenges, neurotypical, ADHD, maybe visual impairment, trauma, depression, addiction. I mean, I think this kind of stuff is more widespread than people think it is. I know that there are a lot of people living with invisible disabilities, chronic illnesses, especially in this time when it, it feels like it feels like everyone is diagnosed with something. And I know that a lot of people who have chronic illnesses have comorbidities, which just means that, you know, they're dealing with more than one thing. Usually when you're sick with something, it tends to stack. And as somebody with who has, you know, struggled with my own disability since I was 26, I think. This is an important show to me because people who go through this kind of thing, 
they often feel can feel invisible, especially people with an invisible illness. And not to say that this isn't a competition. We all want people to be able to express themselves through their art. And I mean, the trauma that people experience through this kind of thing, the art is maybe not a panacea, but it certainly is like a balm and it helps. Well, it helps on multiple levels too, right? Because, uh, you know, it obviously helps the art maker who's maybe trying to tell their story or express themselves. And so there's some sort of cathartic, hopefully some sort of cathartic energy right. or element or experience there for them in, in expressing themselves in their art. But then hopefully it's also helpful and cathartic to the observer in terms of learning and enlightening and representing and understanding and, and developing empathy and compassion. Yes. You know, you know, I would hope so. I, I mean, I think art is very helpful for developing empathy. And I mean, there have been many studies, I think, and not just visual art, but reading and, and that kind of thing. Like the more you kind of do that kind of thing, the more empathetic it seems like people turn out to be, which is wonderful. More empathy, please. More empathy, please. <laughs> yeah, I, agreed, agreed. So anyway, that show is going to be very, very near and dear to my heart. But then actually after that, we have another show that will be very near and dear to my heart. And I'm going to be curating this one. So in October, since we're going to be doing, and, and by the way, October is Disability Awareness Month, and that, that's why we're doing it in October, which means that we won't have a Halloween exhibition, which just hurts me as a fan of Halloween. And so November is still kind of a dark and dreary month. So we're going to take November to appreciate some of the things that go bump in the night. It can also be cathartic to ghosties, ghoulies, and long-leggedy beasties. Indeed. Lots of long-leggedy beasties. I think also it can be cathartic to talk about those kind of dark things, wherever they may come from. And, you know, cornfields, apparently. Cornfields. They do come from, there is something (laughs) eerie about cornfields. There is, there just is. I don't know what it is, but there just is. Well, there's a, yeah, there's something about being immersed in, I don't know, it's not, I mean, a cornfield's not a wild place by definition, but it you can either, hide in it though pretty you easily. You can hide in it, other things can hide in it, and you just don't know what's lurking, right? <laughs> right, exactly. So, so yes, maybe there'll be some corn in the November exhibition. You never know. Hey, you know what? I love corn, so bring it on, bring it on. Yeah, no, corn is good. We, we love corn. And then, okay, so uh, we're almost out of time here. So our last one. December. So this one is going to be from the mixed up files of not real art, which I took from a I don't know if you've ever read this book, but it's I think it's a kid's book from the what is this book called from the mixed up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler. Wow. I have two kids. I don't know that I've heard that. I got to oh, get that. You should, before, you should, yeah. This is a classic. Oh, so I cannot believe you never read this one. This is where the two kids run away from their home to live in the the met oh no 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 we yes no we have that one yes we do have that one that's, i was gonna say that's a that's a that's classic my, my kids so, have a lot of books and and i've read a lot of them over the fair, years and you tend fair. to they tend to run together a little bit yeah no they, they, they do they do they do i i get it i get it but anyway so that our exhibition is named in honor of that book for nice nice for december and Excellent. then, so this is going to just be 
it's a curated selection of, you know, staff picks. So we're all going to kind of, we're going to look back on the year and we're all going to come together for this last exhibition. I thought that would be nice if we had sort of a little team curation and we could all include some of our favorite things over the past year. Nice. Love that. Wrap it up with a big bow and that's it. Ta-da. There we go, guys. Our 2023 exhibition program online at notrealart.com. You get to obviously enjoy past shows because they never go away, but you also know what's coming a little bit. So we've primed the pump and given you something to look forward to here. Lots of good, healthy stuff uh, coming at you. We always try to do our best to honor the amazing artists and art that comes into our orbit. And just spread the love, as they say. Spread the love. Absolutely. And I also want to encourage any of our listeners out there to write into us if they have an idea for a show or just let me know uh, what show you're looking forward to this year. I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, right on. Right on. Does that apply to me too, Morgan? Can I give you Absolutely. ideas? Absolutely. Really? You can email me. Oh. Ask God. You can email me anytime. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Thank and you. You frequently do email me. <laughs> well, so. you know, I, I don't want to be a pest. But oh, uh, no, you're always welcome to bother me. I was actually talking to somebody about a show recently I curated back in the early aughts, well, mid aughts, I guess. But it was interesting because if you've been around a block enough to know over the years, you, you realize that a lot of times the hot trends often emerge from the streets or from the underground, right? The underground mm-hmm. yeah. becomes, you know, and years ago in the mid aughts, I, I, I curated a show called Urban Lux because I saw that urban culture, street culture was eventually going to impact kind of luxury, the idea of luxury, right? And, and you were, I mean, you were right. And I was right. Yes. But it was a show, like, it was way ahead of its time, you know? Uh, wait, yeah. wait, 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 when did it go up? It was 07, I think it was. Okay, uh, okay. I mean, it was, it, was, it was not way ahead of its time, but it was prophetic, right? And what was cool is we combined graffiti artists, uh, actually one graffiti artist, Man One, and he partnered with interior designers, industrial designers, architects, fashion designers to imagine how the urban and specifically graffiti aesthetic might actually be interpreted into shape and form and space. And so this architect and man one collaborated on a design of a building and we had furniture designers, we had lighting designers, we had, it was, it was, it was really cool, you know? That sounds really cool. So yeah, so I have ideas. I, you know, I can, I can. Scott, you have great ideas. You always have good ideas. Oh, Quit it. I mean, Quit listen, it. They're, You're not, they're, not me that. All, they're not all winners. I mean, that's not, that's not, that's not possible. <laughs> I mean, when, a thousand. No, when I was in art school, I remember one of my professors telling me that you got to crank that work out and 80% of it is going to be crap. Yeah, 100%. 100% of that 80% is going to be crap. And then I just think about that for my ideas too. I'm like, you just got to keep thinking and know that like some of it is going to be garbage. But generally yeah. speaking, I think you have great ideas, so feel Aww. free to email me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I will. I will. I will indeed email you. Yeah, it's fun, right? It's fun. We we are very lucky to 
work in a space that is truly our calling, which is to say, exercising our creative muscles. And we're in the business of ideas and stories. And that's a really special place. Uh, we're lucky people to be, um, I, to I agree. be able to do that. So anywho, my dear friend and colleague, Morgan Lawrence, you have classed up the place. Thank you so much for hopping on and taking us through all the exciting stuff that you've been doing and are going to be doing with our exhibitions this year. I know you've got a busy day ahead of you and you've got to run. So thanks for hopping on and come back soon. Okay. Great. Thank you for having me and letting me talk about all the cool things that we have coming up this year. Super excited for it. Right on people. Okay. Well, you heard it here. Don't go anywhere, Morgan. I want to talk to you one sec and we will keep fighting the good fight for you guys, our listeners, because we do this for you. It's all about you. If it weren't for you, we'd just be talking into microphones and that's no fun. <laughs> so have a great day, everybody. Later. Thanks for listening to the Not Real Art Podcast. Please make sure to like this episode, write a review and share with your friends on social. Also, remember to subscribe so you get all of our new episodes. Not Real Art is produced by Crew West Studios in Los Angeles. Our theme music was created by Ricky Peugeot and Desi DeLauro from the band Parlor Social. Not Real Art is created by We Edit Podcast and hosted by Captivate. Thanks again for listening to Not Real Art. We'll be back soon with another inspiring episode celebrating creative culture and the artists who make it.